Okay, we've been looking at um, the passage in Acts for a little while, and we're going to look at that more times as we go along. So it's Acts chapter 2, verse 42 onwards. And this is really talking about the early church and trying to think of how do we fit into that? What are the, what are the characteristics of this church that made it grow? What was it that enabled the power of God to really move and add to that church daily? Because cause in the end, we want to be the type of church that Jesus wants us to be, don't we? It really is all about him. It's about how did Jesus live his life? How does the church glorify that? And are we as believers really patterning and, and living our lives in the same way that Jesus gave us the example to do? So Acts chapter 2, and, and uh, I'll read this out towards the end there. Um, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and a fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and a prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And when we look at a passage like this, there's so much that could challenge us in how we are living as people of God, but also as a church of God. We've looked at worship last week, how, um, and we looked at a story of David, King David, and, and when they were bringing the ark into Jerusalem, how he had just freed himself up in that area of his life to worship, yet it was despised by his wife, Michael. And and what happened was she became barren. And we we're talking about how a life without worship produces barrenness. But a life with worship and praise starts to breed a fruitfulness to your life. And as a church, how do we do that? Obviously, it has to be corporate, but it also has to be individual, where we are living that worshipful, worshipful life before God. And it wasn't centered on people who were charismatic and outgoing, but, but there's, the Bible says, shout for joy, all you people of the Lord. There's no exclusions that, that somehow there has to be something inside of us as a church that can really celebrate who God is and be free in that. So we looked at that. And this week we're going to look at um, the fellowship side, the, the, the side of hospitality, I guess. And to do that, what I want to do is go and look at um, two stories. One is a story that many people are familiar with. Even if you've never been to church, you might know the story of what they call the Good Samaritan. And those of us who are church people, generally it's, it's, there's another story there about Mary and Martha and when Jesus came to, uh, to their house to, to have dinner with them. And what is it that's important about how they acted and what they did in terms of hospitality? And hospitality is a big thing to God. In fact, if you look at the qualifications that are required for elders in a church, so if you're thinking, you know, leadership in a church is a good, good thing to have, which it is, the Bible says that's a great thing. If you desire that, that work of, of being able to shepherd and love, love on God's people, then that is a good thing to have. But the Bible says that hospitality is one of the requirements that he's looking for in elders of a church and deacons. 
that heart to have for people. Let's read that. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home and he must be able to teach. So we see there that highlighted is that you need to love having guests in your home. It's something of the heart of God. You think about it. What is, what is the feast that we're going to, the wedding feast of the Lamb? It's, it's like God has this heart to gather people to himself. It's like I have a heart for people and we know that because as Bob was saying this morning, you know, while we were still sinners, God sent his son to die for us. Why? So we could be adopted into his family. There's a heart for people that comes from God and he wants us to reflect that heart. When we look at the life of Jesus, what was he accused of? Eating and drinking. Of having fellowship with people and sometimes even not the right type of people. People that weren't exactly the right kind of people to have around. And this is a real challenge to us because as Christians we have to say, well, how am I living my life? Am I really basing it on what Christ wants me to live or am I just deciding to become a stubborn person and even though the word is pointing things out to me that I'm not going to change? And that's a horrible place to think that we might be, isn't it? That we've come to a point in our life where we allow the things that are excessive in our life, like the things on the outskirts, whatever they are, to actually drown out the purpose of God for us as people. Who here doesn't love it when someone welcomes, into their, welcomes them into their home? I doubt anyone would not like that. But it does go beyond that because... The welcoming is okay and the doing is okay, but I really like how, how it put that verse there in Timothy from the NLT that it's, they love having people over. That there's a heart thing involved in that, not just the, the, um, the action of what it is. So let's have a look at these two stories. Where we're reading from is Luke chapter 10. And if you have a look in there, you'll see the, the parable that Jesus begins to teach, starting from verse 30 of Luke chapter 10. Just going to read through it, then we'll talk about it. Then I'm going to read the next story as well. Because as, as we're reading these, I want you to put this into context with what it says in Acts chapter 2. What were they doing? It said they fellowshiped together. So they were together, fellowshipping, having fun and... And talking, then it says they met in each other's homes every day. Now, that doesn't mean everybody meets in one home every day. We understand that. But where, where it's common practice that our homes open to other people. And as we go through this story, we're going to make up some things, I guess, ourselves in a way, because as we read this story, you'll find that there's no reason given why some people didn't stop. So really, Jesus is opening it up. You have a think about it. What is the reasons why they didn't stop? And then I want us to start to sort of have a look at our own lives and think about how we are acting in that area. How are we as hospitable people? Are we hospitable or not? Are we living the life that God actually intended for us? Because let's face it, we're busy, right? People will say that all the time, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. 
And this might be one of the excuses. Let's read it. Okay, Luke chapter 10. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was travelling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he was also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbour to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. Of course, the answer is obvious. The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So we see here three different people walking by this man that's wounded. One was a priest. What would the characteristics of a priest be? Well, back then it was serving in the temple. It was, you know, we're, we're close to God. I represent the people to God. And he walked by. Then he had the temple assistant. I don't really know what they do, but I'm presuming they assist in the temple. <laughs> They've got a church life happening. Now, it doesn't say why these guys didn't come over and help him. We can conject all we like into that situation. Was it because they were scared of being robbed themselves? I don't think so. Was it because they didn't have time? Maybe. Was it because they were just too busy with life and they, and they couldn't be bothered? Was it because they realised that to actually go and help someone would require sacrifice, not only of their time, but possibly even their money? There's so many things that go on there and, and, and could it be even that they don't want to be seen getting dirty? They don't want to be seen getting blood on them. They don't want to be seen getting dirt on them. What was it? that stopped them showing some love to this man and care to this man. Have a look at the, the Samaritan, what came along, he came along. There's some things that really strike me out of this passage as to why hospitality. Now, we look at this and we think, well, no, it's about people being beat up. No, it's not. It's really not. This is about the heart we have towards people because as we go on from this and the next story is about Mary and Martha, they connect really well. Hospitality is what's the root word that we can see in that? Quite obviously. Hospital, right? Yeah. What do you think of when you think hospital? Isn't a place where people have their wounds bandaged? Isn't that a place where people who need help find it? When they're bleeding, that the bleeding stop? Isn't it a place where there's care given? And often by complete strangers, when you go in a hospital... You don't know who the nurse is, you don't know who the doctor is, do you? But somehow, we go to that place and we expect that there's a healing that would take part, take place. And so, when we start to get a bigger picture of what hospitality is, it's not about popularity, it's not about having lots of people over, it's not about me showing off, and this is some of the things, honestly, that will stop us being hospitable. As we, we talk about this, isn't that like, my house isn't good enough to have guests, so I can't have them. 
it's not clean enough, the food I give is not good enough, whatever those things are that we, we think about, we start to make it not about the person, but we make it about the process. We don't make it about who needs healing, who needs help, but we make it about how will I look, true? There's an element of pride that comes in sometimes with this area of our life, just putting that out there. Anyway, what were the characteristics of the Samaritan that enabled him to actually give some care, help and love to this person? Firstly, he had compassion. Do you know that true hospitality has to have a heart of compassion behind it? Has to have that behind it. You see, hospitality, like I said, it's not just about having a guest, but this is about how am I healing a person? It might not even just be healing, but it's how do I keep them healthy? People need to have fellowship. They need love. They need to be feeling like they're welcome in your home because you have compassion. You actually love a person. And this can only really, truly, the deepest, in the deepest sense, come from God. Where we allow his heart of compassion to be birthed inside of us and we allow that heart to reach out to other people. Okay, so number one, he felt compassion. Number two, he took action for what was happening. It says he soothed his wound with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Now, if you're someone who, who um, reads through the Bible, you'll quite often see, often see that the Holy Spirit's referred to as oil, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and the new wine of the Holy Spirit, that life that he gives. You know, when you touch someone, when you take the time and you allow the Holy Spirit to work through you, that can also bring healing. That also allows wounds to be bandaged. Imagine someone who just needs someone to talk to, but every door is closed as they're going to it. Sorry, don't have time this week. Don't have time, don't have time, don't have time. What's happening? What we're doing then is passing on the other side of the road. It's like, yeah, look, really sorry. And it almost goes to that James thing. It's like, what's the matter, mate? Oh, I don't have a blanket. Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you, brother. Go and be well. And we have a blanket sitting in the cupboard that we could give. And so God really wants us to understand that as a church, as a, as a church that is filled with the Holy Spirit, that that Holy Spirit is not meant for us, just us. But to be filled with the Spirit is not just to be filled to the top, but it's to be overflowing. And the word to be filled with the Spirit doesn't mean just be filled once. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to God, getting filled and that's it. it. It remains for the rest of my life. This is a process that we continue in. We, that word means to be filled and keep being filled. Because the Holy Spirit is designed to flow out of us, as the Bible says, that it's like rivers of living water that flow out of us. A well that springs up, a spring doesn't sit and stay, it keeps flowing. And so too, hospitality is like that. When we start to give it out, we start to bandage wounds. We start to look after people. But then not only that, he took a next step and he put him on his donkey. What does that mean? It means he started to share life with him. He started to take him on the journey with him. He didn't leave him where he was. True hospitality doesn't just leave people where they are, but it continues on that journey with them. 
Then he handed him over to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. You see, every one of us has a part in this. And it might not be forever, but there is a God who is above all and in all, and, and he's just amazing, and he loves people so much. And the whole idea is that we are getting people into his presence. We're drawing people into following him. We're, we're saying, you know what, I can help you this far, but this God of ours, he can help you so much more. You see, while people can come with the journey on us, the dwelling place that we're really ultimately striving to get them to is that place where they are dwelling with God, where they are living with him. And then he did something almost extraordinary. He gave some money over, but this is what he's really saying because he says this to him, whatever else you need, whatever it needs to take care of this man, if it runs higher, I'm basically writing you a blank check. I'm writing you a blank check. Basically, up to everything I have, up to everything I have, I want you to look after this person. Isn't that an amazing story of what we could be like as Christians, as a church? And I really want us to reflect on that because as we do reflect on Scripture, that's where we get change, okay? Start to think about your life. Where would you put yourself in those things? Don't even worry about the first two. We don't want to be like them, do we? I don't want to be like them. I don't want to pass on the other side of the road and and say my church stuff's too important. That's what it often comes down to, isn't it? You hear that story a lot of times and it's like, yeah, because they were busy with church. I don't believe that's truth at all. They weren't at church, they were on their way somewhere, but... It wasn't really that. It's life's too busy. I don't have time for people. Besides that, sometimes when we reach out to people, it's really messy. Have you ever noticed that? And it's good to be with the good people, isn't it? It's it's nice to be with the nice people. I think it is. (laughs) But Jesus said those words that, that Bob said today. These didn't come for the healthy or the righteous. He came for the sick. And there's no messier place in a hospital, is there? It's a place where you get the stench of blood, of of human excrement sometimes, of, of pus, of sickness, that smell that's in the air. And yet God is saying, I've entrusted you as Christians to actually wound, uh, sorry, heal the wounded just like I did. I've given you this extraordinary opportunity to reach out to the lost and not do it in your own power, but be empowered by the Holy Spirit to actually touch lives and to touch people. That's what I love about God. He didn't come into a clean and great world and and be embraced. He came into a world that was hostile to him, to a devil that, that just wanted to destroy him and his work. And he said, you know what, here I am. And I'm here to announce to you that God is on the planet with you today. And just to show you what God is like, I'm going to heal the sick, I'm going to open blinded eyes, I'm going to make the lame to walk, I'm going to take the captives and I'm going to set them free, I'm going to take the heart that is broken and I'm going to heal it. And I'm going to get the lost found and I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. If you come to me, that's what you've got. 
And the same is for us. We are here in a world that needs us to show God to them. We really do. And I get challenged by this daily. Where am I in this God? Because I certainly think I've got a long way to go in this. But the challenge is out there. And part of this is opening up your home. Sometimes we don't even open our, our homes to our brothers and sisters. Too busy for that. Let alone the stranger, and, and the Bible talks about that, that we should show that hospitality to strangers. In fact, the Bible says that some have even done that. They didn't even know it, but they were actually entertaining angels. <laughs> it's opening up. It might not be your home necessarily, but what about your time? What about a listening ear? If someone rings, do you have time to listen to them? Do you have time to pray for them? Do you have time to meet them up the shop for a coffee or go and play some pool at, at the tavern, have a lemon, lime and bitters or something? But just to spend time and get to know people. How can we grow if we don't know each other? How can we get each other's heart? How can someone coming in here feel welcomed and loved unless our heart becomes like that of our God who welcomes everybody? Now, some don't want to stay, and that's cool. I've got about two minutes for this next one, so let's quickly go through it. Going on from that story in Luke, so chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will, be, and it will not be taken away from her. So very quickly, the point I really want you to think about in this is what was the whole point of this dinner? Martha was distracted by all the things that she had to do. Mary understood the whole point of having Jesus over was so she could learn from him, right? Get to know him. Hospitality is not about the event. It's about the relationships. That is really what he's saying, isn't it? It's not about how grandiose it is, not how well prepared the dinner is and all those things. But what he's saying, when, when you have a heart of hospitality, when you invite someone into your home, what's it about? It's a relationship. Totally. And we can miss it so easily because we're so worried about everything. Someone can go home from your house and never have gotten to know you. I know you're a good cook. Fantastic. They know your house is clean. That's great too. And there's nothing wrong with those things. Jesus never reprimanded her for that. But what he was saying was look beyond 
the event and start to see what the meaning is. Imagine a group of people like us, so connected in relationship, but so welcoming to outsiders to bring them into relationship. That's the way God wants us to work. And that's the way we look at that church in Acts. It said they met together. It was regular. And if you're not doing that, can I just say you're not living as God wants you to, simply. It's not how God modelled it. It's not how Jesus modelled it. Jesus modelled that invitation, come and follow me. Come into my life, live with me, work with me, see what I do and you do it too. Invited people in and he issued a challenge of how they lived. But you know what we don't want is a whole church of people who challenge without invitation. And this is where you get religious people, isn't it? Have you ever had anyone, I have, that comes up to you and they don't know you and they think they're so good and holy and they come and tell you off for something. You're doing the wrong thing, blah, 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 blah. Who are you? All you end up with is a bunch of religious people with laws, rules and regulations that don't know the heart of anybody. But the true challenge in growth comes when we have invited people into our life and we live life with them and let them grow with us. And Christians, I don't care what the excuses are that we have because we have many. This is a way of life for a Christian. You cannot excuse yourself from it. You could say, like some Christians do, I don't have the gift of hospitality, so what? It doesn't mean you can't be hospitable. There's some people that are just awesome at it. But everyone else has to work hard. I remember someone talking about um, an Adelaide footballer once, played for the Adelaide Crows, named Nigel Smart. Amazing football player for that club. But he used to play with him when he was younger. He said, Nigel Smart was always on the bench. Now, back in the old days when you were a bench player, you didn't get on that much. It wasn't like now where you're just running round, 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 if you know AFL. He said he wasn't much good, didn't have a lot of talent, but he had the best work ethic out of anyone in that club. And he became one of the best players for Adelaide Crows. Consistent, great, good, wonderful team man, well admired and respected. And I think we need to sometimes understand that it's not just about a gift, but there's also about us just working at our own salvation, as the Bible says, and becoming the people that Christ has fashioned us to be. And God says, you need to open your home. God says, this is how you should live. Jesus said, you need to do this. This is part of the way of life for a Christian. So let's do it. It's not about us. It's about his kingdom. Have a look at your life. Where am I? Why am I not doing this? What is it that's stopping me? Start to think about what it is. Because in truth, the things that we need to cut off aren't the things of God. They're the things of the world, right? If something's stopping us being a Christian, the way that Christians are meant to live, you don't knock off the Christ part. You knock off the other part. It's not worth it. In the end, it's about him, his kingdom, his love, and learning to be people that 
are like a hospital <laughs> to those around us that are hurt, that are wounded. And who here has never been through a time where they're discouraged even in their faith and they thought, I wish I had someone to talk to. Whose house can I pop into? Oh, maybe I could go to their house. Oh, they're always busy. You ever had that? You're thinking, I'm crying out, I need some help, but is there anyone I can turn to? Wouldn't it be nice if we were that person for them? When they rang up, they said, oh, can I come around? Yeah, come on. Let's talk about it. Let's encourage you. Let's make you feel better. 